Welcome back, everybody. As we get going here on a UTEP game day, we don't have too many of these left. Let's be honest. Soon as the basketball season's over, yeah, we still have what? Let's see. Outdoor uh, track season. We have softball. We have tennis. We have golf. But, you know, you've got spring ball for UTEP football till uh, April the 8th. When they got the greatest garage sale ever, I can't wait to see what they're doing. I am. We're getting a sneak peek. I'm telling you right now. I have got to. We. It's it's our job here on Sports Talk to show everybody out there in El Paso what kind of goodies you could buy during the garage sale at UTEP. And you're not going to have to crawl through a garage door when it opens up the way they did in my sale years ago. Promise you that. So that's April the 8th. And then basketball season's over after the uh, next, you know, hopefully the Miners run the table on this weird tournament called the Basketball Classic. I mean, let's be honest. Let's hang a banner. Yes. Rings. Let's get rings. Let's give rings out next November. Replica rings. Replica basketball classic rings to all the fans. And we can make them like the kind you used to get when you would buy a box of cereal and you get those rings in the cereals like your special surprise. Those could be the giveaways. We could have basketball ring night for UTEP fans. Hey, all kidding aside. The Chihuahuas, let's, 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 hey, let's give the Chihuahuas a little round of applause here. Come on, let's give a uh, round of applause for the Chihuahuas. Chihuahuas came out with the greatest replica championship rings of all time. Those things were heavy. They looked good. I mean, they looked almost like the real deal. So the fact is, you know, all it takes is one sponsor, and you've got, uh, you know, Basketball Classic Championship Replica Ring Night at the Haskins Center. So, and I already know who it's going to be. Um, I don't want to give away any hints, Oscar Adietta, but you kind exactly. of have an idea of who it's going to be. Could get that done for you, all of you. You know, he's he's definitely a sponsor and supporter of UTEP basketball, Oscar Adietta, and he's definitely somebody that likes to be a part of uh, the big festivities, Oscar Adietta. So hopefully that can happen. Miners run the table. They win the basketball classic, and the big O gives away some championship replica rings uh, in November. That would be awesome. Yeah, I feel like that has to happen, and then uh, you could bring all the, the players who decide to stay on uh, the team, and then you could present it to those players, and then for the players that maybe are newcomers or who didn't experience that, well, you know what I think they should do? I think they should go off and make those replicas and then turn it into a big fundraiser if they ran the table, if they won the basketball classic, and then sell it to the public. I think a lot of people would end up actually buying those, uh, you know, contrary to how weird of a tournament this is. Are you saying that if you leave the program and you go into the portal after the season, you don't get a ring? No ring. Is that the idea? I like that. No soup for you? No soup for you. No ring yes. as long as you hit the portal. That's, That's right. awesome. That's That would be a great college tactic. I like that. You know what? You want your ring? Stick around and come back for another year for the for the championship ring ceremony. Otherwise, uh, yeah, no ring for you. You just uh, go, 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 go find it on eBay. Isn't it so weird that there are multiple senior days that some of these current athletes experience? I mean, speaking of honors and stuff like that and rings and, you know, whatever you want to do. It's so weird. I mean, college basketball is like year-to-year free agency. It is. That's a great description of of how it is. Year-to-year free agency. I like that. So so UTEP's playing tonight. 7 o'clock. We'll have it for you. 6.30 countdown to tip-off. Longhorn distributing countdown to tip-off. I hope Jamal Biennemi's back. We'll see what happens. We were at practice yesterday. He looked crisp. He looked good. Hopefully he can go tonight for the Miners. They're going to need him against a good Southern Utah team that moves like crazy off the ball. That's going to be interesting to see. Um, 
and and how the miners will will handle things. So I'm I'm looking forward to being there. I'm going to be heading over to the Haskins Center as soon as the show's over, um, and and deliver uh, you know a little a little fun and festivities, a little fun and frivolity uh, here tonight, and uh, getting a chance to uh, see the miners. Hopefully, that from what I understand, if they win. They're going to play either Friday night or Saturday. That's the story. And by the way, they're calling this the quarterfinals. So even though there's like five games left and like any normal quarterfinals has four games, somehow UTEP's in the quarters. So I feel sorry for that fifth game that's kind of like, I don't know what do you call that. That's just like the extra. It's kind of like the quarterfinals plus one. I'm just happy UTEP's not the plus one here. I'm happy that they are in the quarters, which means if they win tonight, they're in the semis. And then if they win that, they would have a chance to play for the championship next week. Whatever that, whenever that is. Yeah, my question is like, what happens if they play later this week, and and there are a couple other games going on? Is this a second quarterfinals matchup for the Miners that they would have to be experiencing over the weekend? I mean, two quarterfinals. I mean, who knows? This is such a weird tournament. It feels like it, things change on the fly, and if UTEP ends up getting the extra game, I mean, I guess it's just you know so bad for uh, so sorry for UTEP in in that regard. Yeah, it, it would be so weird if that was the uh, listen. I. I do we ever do we do we make any headway with the head of this tournament? I reached out, zero reply. I think he he's did, trying to stay in the shadows, but he's been active so? on Twitter. He has, yes. He didn't even uh, he didn't give you any kind of a uh, any. Did you, and you use the six hundred ESPN pass the Twitter account? Yes, I'm I'm refreshing to see if the DMs have been hit, and they have not been hit at all. Oh my god, that is too bad. That is too. You followed this poor guy. Followed him. Reached yeah. out to him, even sent a, a like well, an actual tweet where it's like just him, not even replying yep. to a tweet, but just an actual tweet to him. If he doesn't reply to you uh, by the end of today, unfollow him on Twitter uh, through hey, the six hundred ESPN. <laughs> he does not, he does not deserve our follow on Twitter if he doesn't at least respond to us because we, 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 folks, we want to know how this tournament's working. I mean, there's more than eight teams involved, and and this is supposed to be the quarterfinals. So how's that? I mean. Maybe they maybe they just automatically throw a team out that shouldn't be thrown out, and they just get rid of them. Maybe they could be like the UTEP managers uh, poll or something like that. You could throw awesome. a, a Twitter poll up there, and then uh, somebody, whoever has the most votes out, out of the fan base, th- that team ends up advancing. Hey, by the way, speaking of the UTEP managers, okay, so here's what happened. Um, we left the show yesterday. The UTEP managers were up 53.8 to 46.2 in their voting against uh, Alabama to see who gets to go to the Final Four. And then something weird happened last night. Like, I, I, don't, I can't explain it, but it went from UTEP having 53% of the vote to UTEP having 41% of the vote. Like, everybody and their mother started voting for Alabama. Okay, so here's the deal with how this go about how it's it's working right now. So let me uh, let me kind of give you all the lowdown on this whole situation with the Golden Boys. Um, it's over before we end the show today. All right, and the way it stands right now, they're in a whole lot of trouble, whole lot of trouble. Now, I reached out to Aaron Jones and Alvin Jones, hoping to God that they would retweet this. And just to get all the Packer fans in America to support the, the UTEP managers. And that has not happened. Okay. Cody Decker did his part. I asked him to send a tweet out because, you know, Cody's got tens of thousands of followers. So when uh, Cody did his job and promoted that earlier today, his tweet got four likes and two retweets. That's not going to work, folks. That is not going to work. I mean, you know, 
Cody, if he does something funny about baseball, he's usually getting hundreds and hundreds of retweets, if not thousands and, and likes. But four likes is just not going to cut it uh, as far as this is concerned. So unfortunately, Cody tried and it just and he and he failed. He failed com- miserably. Okay, this was a this was an epic fail. Um, I tried. Uh, there's only so much I can do. I don't have the you know, the hundreds of thousands and millions of followers like some athletes do. But what we need to do today, uh, this is a mission, folks. This is not this is not something that I'm taking lightly by any stretch. This is a project of ours and all of you listening, okay? If any of you know anybody personally on social media that has a large following, okay, in the next two hours, the UTEP managers will be eliminated from the manager games, and he will not be able to go play in the Elite Eight, even though they had the sixth-best ranking in all of the basketball managers. So we have to get them to at least 52%. Right now they trail Alabama, fifty. Uh, they, they trail them 59 to 41. They're down 18 percentage points, and there's been over five. There's been 5,000 votes, okay? So that means if we do not get, if we can't figure out a way to get at least 2,000 votes in the next two hours, UTEP's going home. And that sucks because I like these guys. And Earl Boinkers will probably make the trip and play with them because he's on board. So, I mean, and UTEP could win the national championship in the managers' games. It is possible. They're that good. But this this stupid voting on Twitter is how they get in. I mean, they can't, you know, they, they play all these games and now it's a popularity contest. And it looked like Alabama was done, and now all of a sudden they got a huge resurgence and they're back from the dead. So, Adrian, I don't know how we do it, but in the next two hours, I mean, I was just praying that Aaron Jones was able to use his Packer clout to get every Green Bay Packer fan in America to vote for the uh, for, for the UTEP managers, but it hasn't happened, and they're running out of time. I mean, two hours, it's going to be over soon, and, and, and the season's going to come to a sad end. Yeah, we really need all the help from any kind of social media influencer or people who have following out there to share this post and to help out the managers. I mean, Steve, I, I honestly thought they were going to run away with it yesterday. They felt confident yesterday after holding a strong lead and unfortunately that lead wa- was uh, quickly quickly gone after Alabama's mm. fan base really came in and stormed through it and, and, and took the voting by storm now I, I don't think it's over yet but it would take kind of a miracle here at, at, at the finish line this is the fourth quarter right now the clock is winding down they need the help we need the Hail Mary that's we right. need the helmet. Yeah. So if any of you and I've tried Babe Laufenberg, who I have not been able to get. Usually Babe's really good, but today I'm not going to be able to get Babe to to respond to me. Reply. I need. We need something, folks. If any of you listening know Aaron and Alvin Jones personally, please reach out to them. All right. And we need their help because they've got they've got the pull. They've got the pull. How many followers does Alvin have? He's got a lot too. Hang yeah. On, let me see how many followers does Alvin have because Alvin can save this game too. He's got seventy one hundred. It's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's that is solid. not. That is not bad. Seventy one hundred followers. Um, Aaron, for those of you wondering, has wait. Alvin just retweeted it. How about get out of here? Yes, really. Yes, he did. He did. Oh, thank God. All right, that's a that is great news. Thank you, Alvin. If you're listening, thank you very much. Appreciate you doing that. That's huge. And all of you seven thousand followers of uh, of Alvin Jones, start voting. Aaron's got 189,000 followers. You think we could use a few of those for this thing? I would think so. Oh, my God. If Aaron, if, if listen, 
I'm telling you, they can do it. The Jones brothers can save the UTEP managers. And I don't want to put it all on them, but I've used all my influence. I I really have. I've sent out like five retweets. I'm always going to try to do what I can for them. And and, I mean, I I feel like we've we've just gone ahead and, 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 you know, there's not much else we can do. We've, We've overextended. Let's be honest. We've overextended. But, I mean, the Jones brothers can save the day. They can save the day. They can save the day for these guys. We need it. We need it in a big way, don't we? They need the golden ticket right here for the Golden Boys. There you go. The golden ticket. I like it. And And that's exactly right. We need this to happen. We need this to happen big time. Please. If there's a God out there, somebody get these guys. They're good guys. We had all three of them on the show. They're likable guys. They're two of them are in their last year. Let them go play in the in the in the at least let them play in the Elite Eight. Let's find out they can win the national championship. Let's get them there. We have to. It's our mission. All right. Quarter past the hour as we get started on uh, sports talk today. Um, by the way. A lot of interesting storylines. A lot of interesting storylines heading into tonight's game between UTEP and uh, Southern Utah. So definitely something we want to talk about. We're going to learn more about their opponents, what they've done. And we talked about them yesterday. You know, they did well in conference. Didn't really have a ton of non-conference games that were that impressive. But, hey, 21 wins is 21 wins. And they move well without the ball. And they're going to be a handful for the Miners tonight, especially if Jamal Biennemi doesn't play. Hopefully he does. Hopefully we're in business here tonight. So, so much to get to on the show. And I'm excited about all that stuff. I really am. All right. In the meantime, phones are ringing in. 880-5763. We've got track talk coming up at 5 o'clock with Eric Alwyn from Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. Eric's going to be previewing the Sunland Derby this weekend with a potential $5 million handle. We're working on, we got Todd Fincher tomorrow at 6. We're working on Jim Rome tomorrow in the 4 o'clock hour. Yeah, we're busy. We are busy here on the program. But right now, let's go to Charlie One. Kick it off right with our first traffic update of the afternoon. 20 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Two lines are open, 880-5763. That is our telephone number to get into the show. All right, a lot of you are wondering, what is the manager games? What are we talking about? What kind of ridiculous rambling are we giving you in the first 15 minutes of the show? Totally understandable. If you missed the day we had the UTEP managers on in their last hour, you're probably wondering, what in the heck are these guys even doing? So here's the deal, okay? When UTEP basketball plays games, the men, the, we're talking about the, you know, the men's team, the managers also will play the day before the game against the managers of other teams that, they, that they're up on the schedule with. Well, I think the UTEP managers lost once or twice the whole season, and they're ranked sixth in the nation in the managers. For, and it's like they have a group of, of, of teams that play all over the country, and UTEP was like sixth in the nation. So the way it works is um, once your regular season is over and UTEP's is over, they put 64 teams into different seeds, and they base it on these some kind of crazy metrics. And then uh, they go down from 64 to 8, and it's all based on Twitter poll voting. That's it. That's what it is. Twitter poll voting down from 64 to 8. But the final eight teams will actually go to the final four if they can pay their own way, and they can then compete for a chance to win the manager's uh, national title. That's how it is. So UTEP, believe it or not, of every team in the country that plays in these games, they're one of the best teams in the nation. So we're trying now because this is it. There's two hours left in these online voting to get them into the Elite Eight so they can go. 
to the um, you know the, the the final four and play against the other seven managers from around the the country to see if they can win the national title for uh, basketball and 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 it's really cool. I mean, you know, think about it. I think it's five on five, not three on three, five on five, but. You know, Earl Boykins has played with the UTEP managers. Uh, there's other teams that actually have basketball walk-ons that play with them. I mean, it's crazy, folks. This is not exactly like a, you know, a bunch of scrubs who have never seen a basketball court. Uh, some of these guys are actually walk-on players that are playing uh, with these manager games, and UTEP's among the best. So we had them on the show. They were terrific, and now we want to get them in. So we they've already gotten this far now we somehow got to figure out a way to get him past Alabama into the Elite Eight so they can actually go to the Final Four. And I appreciate uh, Alvin Jones for giving that retweet out a little while ago. And hopefully we can make it happen. Hopefully we can. Let's go to Carlos. He joins us on the phones first up today. Hey, Carlos, welcome aboard. How are you? Good. How are you, man? Doing fine. Thanks, Carlos. So just three social influencers. Hopefully they're listening. You probably know them. But... K-Fox has over 100,000 followers. So does the El Paso Times, and so does CBS4. Really? Maybe you know some? Yeah, check on it out. Twitter? On Twitter. Hang on, hang on. Talk, hang talk on, to hang your on. brother, and maybe they can do a tweet. Wait a minute. Yeah, they do have 123,000 followers. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Check, check the El Paso Times. They have like 150,000 followers. So you're telling me that all these local news sites are doing squat? That's terrible. We need to get them to retweet it or do a post. Nah, put something else out. They got to. They got The Times has 142,000 followers. Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah, we got to get them in on the action. Maybe yeah, they can do. put us over the top. Media can help. Media can help. There's no doubt about that. I'm with you on that one. That is that is 100% correct. So let's hope it happens. That's right. All right. I'll see what I can do. Maybe I can get Mario Mocha, who's a little bit busy trying to hire a basketball coach for New Mexico State, uh, to promote the managers for UTEP because he's got a lot of pull, a lot of juice with New Mexico State fans. So if we could get, what if we could get 2,000 Aggie fans voting for the UTEP managers to get them over the hump? What would that be like? There you go. Let's make it happen. We're sick of Alabama winning everything. Yeah, we are. That's an, it's enough. Absolutely enough. All right. Good job. I appreciate you, Carlos. Thanks for the call. Media, man. Media's got some pull. I didn't realize he had so many followers on Twitter. Did you? That's some good stuff right there. Yeah, I'm with him. Hey, why not have some media outlets help help them out? You know, I've worked really hard for every one of my 6,294 followers. I mean, that is I, – I, I work for those followers. I mean yeah. – and you have no idea. when I, I didn't even realize that some of these people have 100,000 followers. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a crazy amount. Yeah, most definitely, and yeah, I, 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 we just need more publications, more influencers, more people with local pull. I like the the idea about New Mexico State because it doesn't even have to be, you know, athletic director Mario Mocha. It could even be like their basket men's basketball account or something like that. Hey, they they played the UTEP mm-hmm. managers this year. They had a tough uh, game against them. Why not show some, uh, I don't know, sportsmanship and retweet it? That would be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. All right, so you wrote a story yesterday about UTEP recruiting, all right? And um, and I read the story, and I really liked it because you went really heavy into the junior college ranks, which is where they're going right now. They've already got one commitment, and they're working on a lot of others. Um, we don't know yet about how the portal's going to work. We haven't known that. But um, I wrote kind of a – what I would call this is, is almost uh, an appendix to your story. I mean, like a compendium. Because um, to me, 
Tristan and Jawan Newton are really the two guys outside of K.J. Lewis that have been probably the two best players to come out of this city over the last decade. I think that's pretty uh, pretty obvious, all right? Uh, Juwan's playing at Evansville. Tristan's playing out at East Carolina. They both finished last year averaging double digits in points. They average about five boards a game and five assists per game for Tristan. He's been terrific. Um, and Juwan's the second-leading scorer on his team at Evansville. And I wrote this story and, and put it on uh, the website earlier today, Adrian, about, you know, what if? What if UTEP gets a second chance? And the reason I say a second chance is they blew their first chance, all right? Um, the prior regime that was here before Joe Golding got here, they did not pay much uh, attention at all to Jawan Howard, and they didn't offer Tristan Newton either. So I'm saying Juwan Howard. Juwan Newton. No, I'm saying Juwan Howard. That's pretty good. If we had a shot at Juwan Howard uh, 30 years ago, that would have been go. awesome. But uh, Juwan Newton and then his brother Tristan a year later, I mean, they and, – and it's funny because I've talked to numerous members of the coaching staff um, that have told me that if they had one regret, it's that, you know, they didn't uh, pursue Tristan the way um, – Everybody thought they should have at the time. And remember, they had Nigel Hawkins and Jordan Lathan, and those were the two guards that I believe came in a year before Tristan arrived. But they were convinced that those were the splash guys that were going to kind of make things big in the backcourt at UTEP, along with Sule Boom and, 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 what, they, and what he was going to be bringing to the table and everybody else. And we all know what happened. So, you know, you look at what's gone on. Of the guys that were here, nobody really has gone on to uh, at the bat in the backcourt anyway to have spectacular careers after UTEP. The best probably is uh, right now FEODG, who's done terrific down low in his first season away from the minors. But uh, Adrian, you kind of say to yourself, "What if?" Okay, what if the Newtons could now find themselves in a position to come to UTEP? All these years later. Remember, it'd be four years later for Jawan. It'd be three years later for Tristan. But new coaching staff. We have a new head coach now at um, you know at, at East Carolina. Um, I don't know what the relationship will be like because they got him from Tennessee. So I have no idea if he is going to be able to keep Newton from the portal or not. But if, in fact, Tristan Newton decides to um, you know, explore coming home and wants to play with his brother and you can get them both here, uh, it could ultimately be a huge win-win for UTEP if, if that you know, potentially uh, becomes a reality. Yeah, and I, I feel like with all this uh, speculation, the ideas, I mean, it's it's healthy to float these ideas out there because of uh, today's college basketball landscape where the transfer portal is what it is. Uh, I'll give you three quick reasons why I feel like they could they could come here and uh, they, they would actually have a great, great motivation to do it. Number one, both their schools have not been productive in terms of wins. I mean, Evansville, 6-24 and this past year. East Carolina, 15-15. and It's not like they're hanging back or going to NCAA tournaments over there. Uh, second off, you know, they, they have a chance to play with each other here in El Paso. I mean, imagine a package deal of brothers coming here and then the local connection, of course. Uh, both of them are cousins of Aaron and Alvin Jones. So they have a chance to carry on that legacy, that family legacy here at UTEP. And I feel like there's a lot of pros for them uh, maybe deciding to entertain those options about transferring here and coming to play with each other. It is such a fascinating topic to think about. It really is. Now, I'll say this. Let me preface this by saying that the Newton brothers are not in the portal. Right now, they are both on rosters. 
They have not. Uh, this is complete speculation. Okay, but when you've got a coaching change, you've got to re-recruit your whole roster, especially one of your stars. And I don't know. I think his name is Matt Schwartz, uh, who just took over the job from uh, Tennessee out at East Carolina. I don't know if he's going to be able to get it done. I have no idea if he's going to be able to uh, keep you know uh, Tristan Newton at at East Carolina. No idea. And I don't really know if Juwan wants to keep playing at Evansville for a fifth year if he knows they're going nowhere. I mean, that might not really be uh, in the works either. And you know what? If you can get both, that would be phenomenal. Now, also, something else to point out. UTEP is not allowed to discuss anything with the Newtons unless they go into the portal. So it's not like Joe Golden can make a phone call right now and talk to to Tristan or Juwan. They can't do anything as long as they're on their rosters. But if it changes and they go into the portal, then they're fair game, and that's when the fun really starts. And with uh, both players, so what they would bring to the table, both of them are kind of off-ball guards, although I think Tristan can play very you know, very much on-ball, and that's evident by his five assists that he averages per game. He kind of has an all-around game to him, but both of these guys would be uh, immediate help for the minors in their backcourt. And, you know, you just have, in today's college basketball world, you have to constantly be recruiting. You have to constantly be looking at other players and looking to see who might be able to help you out. So I would say that this is a, a perfect tandem, perfect duo for the Miners coaching staff to start to start looking at if those players do go in the portal. That's the key. If it's a big, big if, but if that happens, hey, anything could be possible. All right, thirty-two past eight eight zero five seven six three. If you want to get onto the show, also six hundred ESPN El Paso on Twitter, and you can uh, chat with us on our free mobile app powered by United Bank. All that plus Adrian's movie review still to come today. But first, let's go right now to Mr. Broadus and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. By the way, I forgot one other story for baseball. They're bringing back the Ghost Runner. I'm not happy Wait, about are this. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm oh, not happy man. about this. I was hoping they would get rid of the. I think the Ghost Runner is the stupidest thing ever. What a way to end a. That's such a dumb way to end an extra innings game. But that seems to be their their their. their you know, they want to speed the game up. So sure enough, Ghost Runners are coming back this season. So what they've done is they've reached a tentative agreement to bring the extra innings Ghost Runner back for the 2022 season. Joel Sherman reported that today. Additionally, this is also very interesting, they've agreed to expand active rosters from 26 to 28 players this season until May the 1st. Now, the league's 30 owners needs to vote next week to officially ratify the conditions, but Sherman writes that only a simple majority is needed and the provisions aren't expected to have any issue passing. So there you go. And I guess the trade-off is, hey, you add a couple players to the roster in the early part of the season, you limit the potential for marathon games, and now you know the league and the union are going to give managers some more flexibility to keep playing time in check. So uh, so strange, Steve. I thought we were done with this. I thought this wasn't even a topic of discussion anymore. I mean, once we got rid of those uh, double headers that had seven seven innings, I thought this one would go away with it as well with the Ghost Runner and extra innings. Uh, I can't believe this is still a, the case. I feel like it's such a gimmicky way to close out baseball games. Uh, well, let's put it this way, and thank God the uh, Ghost Runner rule is only approved for 2022, but they said it wouldn't be a surprise if Major League Baseball and the Union revisit it down the line. So, you know, and by the way, good news, no more seven inning doubleheaders. That's gone this year. Right. So we're back to nine innings. 
So. Okay, and then now we get all the experimentation in AAA with uh, larger bases, with the robot umpires, yes. et cetera. 100%. 100%. So that's where we're at right now as far as this goes. Anyway, 880-5763. That is our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, but just to reiterate, okay, the and this is very important, the Juwan Tristan Newton story is pure speculation. I have no inside knowledge that they are going to be in the portal. Furthermore, uh, no inside knowledge that they were in the portal that UTEP would would uh, be able to get them. But it's the, it's the classic what if. Look, UTEP messed up three, four years ago. We all know that. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to see they should have grabbed Tristan Newton and to think of what it could have been like had they been able to get Newton. But maybe, just maybe, Adrian, they will get another opportunity. Now, as far as the Newtons are concerned, maybe they were also keeping an eye on the UTEP roster. Maybe for them, they're like, well, right now you've got um, Sule Boom, you've got Christian Agnew, you've got Keontae Kennedy, you got Jamal Bienemy. Where are we going to fit in? But if after the season is over, suddenly you lose one or two or more of those guys, now all of a sudden opportunity presents itself. Exactly, and I also want to point out uh, something that we saw circulating social media, which was uh, Tristan Newton joining both Aaron and Alvin Jones courtside of the Conference USA tournament. That was on social media posted by Aaron Jones himself. So, hey, they're, they're watching UTEP. They've got eyes on this team. They see Joe Golding's squad, and who knows, maybe there's some there's, there's a, an appealing, uh, I, I don't know, there's something appealing right there for somebody like Tristan Newton, and, and maybe he decides to come here if the opportunity presents itself. I don't think Tristan comes unless Juwan's with him. I don't think he comes without his brother. That's first and foremost. I also think UTEP could use both of them, not just one. I mean, let's be honest. If one one averaged 12 a game last year at Evansville um, and the other averaged 17, you could definitely use both. So, And it'd be cool to have both brothers play. I started thinking about this. When was the last time UTEP had a pair of brothers on the team? It'd be the Jones brothers when they filled in uh, years ago and Tim Floyd was short a couple players and they both decided to help the basketball team out. Other than that, I can't think of any other situation to where a pair of brothers were on the same team. We see it a lot in in football. I mean, we really do. We see, uh, the, you know, the football team recruit multiple uh, family members or you know cousins and stuff like that. Shout out to the Flores brothers and cousins and everybody in the Flores family who currently plays for the UTEP football team. Uh, but we never really see it in basketball. This is you know one one of those things that you just typically never see. Not even you know across college basketball. Sometimes you see an older brother, younger brother. I think it was Evan and Isaiah Mobley with uh, USC uh, who can come to mind right away. I know that there are. Uh, a pair of brothers at Iowa also, but you just don't see this across college basketball. It's a lot of fun, and it, oh, yeah. it brings excitement to the table when you know that they're hometown kids as well. Well, I mean, it's just it's fun talking about it because uh, I don't think there would be a better offseason story for UTEP if that was to happen. I, and I really think that that would be the best possible case scenario. It'd be awesome. Yeah, and, and you just look at what UTEP or who UTEP is recruiting right now. They're really trying to hammer the junior college ranks. They're trying to get some of the best players out of there. And you're looking at top 50, top 100 lists for junior college. But what about those D1 transfers? You need that immediate help next year if you're UTEP because you still want to be a contender. You want to achieve that 20-win threshold and go further in the Conference USA tournament than you finished up in year one. 100% agree. 100% agree. All right, 880-5763. That is our telephone number. When we come back, 
Adrian's movie review earlier today. We'll do it next. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Usually we end the show with this, but to be honest with you, we're going to be on until 6.30. We've got a busy program today, a busy 6 o'clock hour, so I thought it would be fitting to get Adrian's movie review a little early. And if you're not used to this and you're wondering what are we talking about, well, you might remember a couple of weeks ago Adrian was on the show and we talked about how many movies he hasn't seen. He made a huge list, 70-plus movies. He's starting to now watch one by one all the classics over the last 35, 40 years that he has not seen and then review them on the air. Yesterday was a clockwork orange. Adrian, what do you have for us today? I've got a great one, Steve. Uh, I'm very excited about this one. Commando. Oh, my God. Commando. Yes. October oh. 4th, 1985. Rotten, Good Lord. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 69%. IMDb. Gave it 6.7 out of 10. Uh, I thought it was actually pretty funny. Like, <laughs> I was laughing at all the lines from Arnold. And uh, if you want to watch it, it's on Hulu. It's also on Sling TV. And it's on the Roku channel. So a lot of ways to watch this one. Uh, of course, it stars John Matrix, who is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, he always gets the toughest job done, Steve. He's the one-man army kind of guy. He's looking out. He's looking for his daughter. She was kidnapped. And he had to fight his way through everything. He had to fight his way through uh killers through his own per you know as somebody who's on his team before uh and you know he goes up against an army that's the best scene so he goes up against the army they're they're shooting up the house that he's in yeah and then as soon as they think he's cooked they think he's done they open up the door and john matrix is there with a pitchfork ready to go and he fights them all uh two my two of my favorite lines okay i wrote these or i i looked these up because i don't want to butcher them John Matrix said, after he threw a pipe through Bennett, let off some steam, Bennett. The second one, this one was amazing. Uh, So he kills the guy in the plane. So he says, don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. Oh, my God. I, I, oh. this was so hey, who recommended this movie for you to watch? I don't know. I, we man, actually had a listener that recommended Commando. I had Commando on the list. Good Lord. Um, you know, Steve, this was a tough one to watch. I'll be honest. But oh. I, I thought it was funny. Like, by the end, I was just laughing Let at all the Let me ask you this. Yeah, see, I'm thinking of great... I'm thinking of fun Schwarzenegger movies back in the 80s. Yeah. Have you seen Predator? No, no, I haven't seen that Oh, yet. my... You watch Commando before you watch Predator? Yes. Oh, my God. But I also looked up some other ones that I haven't watched. Like, there are a lot. Uh, you know, I've seen ter- The Terminator, The Terminator 2, uh, but I ha- you know, I haven't seen Total Recall yet. That's great. Um, and I haven't seen Conan. Uh, I, That's a classic. I've seen all the, you know, the kid ones, like Batman and Robin, Kindergarten Cop, Jingle All the Way. Like, I've seen Have all those. Have you seen Twins with uh, Danny DeVito? No, I haven't. Oh, and, and I love Danny that, DeVito. That's, that's a good one. So... It's just it's such a it's such a random movie you pick. So how many bananas do you give Commando? I gotta give it six, man. I, I, I wanted to give it more because I was laughing so hard, but no, nah, it's it's uh it's a little tough to watch at times. Right, but well. it was fast. I mean, it was a quick one hour, thirty minute movie. Maybe well, that's that's a positive, right? That's the one thing about Schwarzenegger movies, they're not very long. 
I I still thought it was funny. Like I just started laughing like uh, the the entire time, like toward the end when you know some of those scenes are just funny. They're outlandish, but uh, you know, I it was worth the watch. I, I'm very whoever recommended it. I'm I'm glad I watched it. Um, whoever recommended it, I really wonder about it, but that's okay. Um, Christopher Hall, thank you very much. Uh, he brought up the Washburn brothers. We're on the Utah basketball team together. He's right. They were. I think Chris Washburn Jr. lasted a year, and then of course Julian had four years, and they overlapped. I think um, Julian's sophomore season was Chris Washburn Jr.'s freshman season. But then there's something that happened to uh, Chris at a bar that he got in trouble with and transferred out, went to TCU, and finished out with Jamie Dixon. That's exactly right. I, I remember the that's a great uh, mention as far as the Washburn brothers. I mean, it wasn't really that long ago. I mean, under a decade ago that you that you had those two brothers play for the Miners. And yeah, Chris Washburn, an ultimate what if, if he had stayed here uh, his entire career at UTEP and what he could have become. Absolutely right. Oh, by the way, uh, Ryan Guzman, shame on you. He's uh, recommending Suburban Commando. Maybe he recommended Commando I in the hope first not. Place. Suburban Commando is with Hulk Hogan. Okay. That's funny. It's not good. It is not good. What's your like your top not not top three in order, but like top three you have to watch Arnold movies. <sighs> Predator's really good. Okay. Really good. Um you've never seen Total Recall? No, I haven't. Oh, you have to watch okay, Total Recall. Okay, that's also on my list. That is a that is a terrific, terrific movie. Uh, there's some good ones. I mean, let me think of uh, another one that I really liked with uh, with Arnold because, uh, and Twins is fun. I mean, it's it's a comedy because obviously it has it has um, uh, Devito in there. But let me think what else. Oh, Last Action Hero is good. You've obviously seen the original Terminator, correct? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. Classic. Well, that's that's good that you've seen that. No, I, I definitely think um, you know those are some of the good ones. Okay, I'm going to reel you... off some, okay? Red Heat, The Running Man, uh, Aftermath. Of that group, I'd probably go The Running Man. Okay. What else? Um, I'm going to I'm looking at these, The Sixth Day, no. Collateral Damage. No. Man, these look bad. Raw Deal. Ugh. Pumping Iron. Have you seen Eraser? No. It's not bad. Okay. Johnny just texted into the show with Maggie. You should see that one. Um let me see what else we've got here. That's that's not half bad as far as uh, that goes. Well, listen, uh, there's there's some good ones. I mean, Running Man's good. It's the same year as Predator. He was hot in the uh, in like '87, and you watch Commando from '85. Uh, Conan Hercules the Barbarian in New, York, in New York. What's that? Hercules in New York. That's the stupidest movie I've ever. <laughs> you know what? Go watch that. Have fun with that one. That would be good. Actually, if you really want to watch an interesting documentary. Go watch Pumping Iron. Okay. It's terrific. It's Schwarzenegger and um, and Ferrigno. And it's back when they were competing against each other in bodybuilding competitions. It's a documentary. And it's a documentary from probably the like the mid-70s. And it's really, really interesting. You feel sorry for, um, for Ferrigno. You want to punch Schwarzenegger because he's so arrogant and cocky, but it's a very, very good. It's one of the early documentaries in sports. They didn't have a ton of them back in those days, but um, Pumping Iron, I have it on DVD. If you want a DVD player and you want the DVD, I'll lend it to you. That's fine. But it's definitely something you should check out. That's a good one, too. Okay, I'll put that on my radar. Sounds great. All right. Thank you very much. Good job, Commando. Unbelievable. All right. Hey, 5 o'clock hour right around the corner. We got Track Talk next with Eric Owen. He's going to preview the half-a-million-dollar Kentucky Derby prep race, the Sunland Derby. It's coming up next here on 600 ESPN El Paso. 
It's the start of hour number two as we continue here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everyone. Steve Kaplowitz here along with Adrian Broadus. And, yep, it's uh, that time again. Time for Track Talk with uh, our pal Eric Alwyn from Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. And it also happens to be Sunland Derby Week, the greatest week of the year if you are a horse racing fan uh, in this area. Am I right, Eric? Cappy, you're so right. And thank you for having our our show on the air. And uh, it's a great podcast. And we, we drew for the race, the Sutherland Derby, just uh, just really a couple of days ago. On Sunday, we had Tom Dawson and Julie Farr out. And uh, I know that management, including our director of racing, Dustin A. Dix, we were all very pleased. You know, we have an eight-horse field in the Sutherland Derby. And I think that's a good number because... It's not going to just be one big favorite like straight up G straight up G is going to have to earn it because we've got some other Southern California talent coming in. Most notably a, a horse named slow down Andy who is trained by Doug O'Neill, who's no stranger to Sunland park. As a matter of fact, back when we started the Sunland Derby, you know, a long time ago, back in 2003, he won the very first Sunland Derby with excessive pleasure. And then he won uh, in 05 with Thor's Echo. So I'm glad that we were able to get his attention. As a matter of fact, Steve, he, he chose our race, the Sunland Derby, over the Bluegrass Stakes in Keeneland. Wow. Because Slowdown Andy had this tremendous workout just a few days ago at Santa Anita. That's huge in itself. And it just yeah. goes to show you again, I mean, Doug O'Neill's a power trainer, Eric. And he's bringing, uh, you know, a horse that he thinks can could race in the Derby. Oh, yeah. That's a big, big deal. Now he's been to this track before, right? O'Neill has had other horses that have entered into the Sunland Derby in the past. Sure, and won it twice. And uh, you know, there are many years that we have the Sunland Derby where you know I look at the racing form, and you know, it, it, you're hard pressed to find horses with graded stakes wins or stakes placed, and we have that this year. So. Despite us, uh, you know, not having had the Southern Derby since 2019, 2022 could be one of our best. Eric Alwyn with us here as we have a track talk with Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. So you mentioned Straight Up G a moment ago. Uh, this was a horse that really shined in the Mind That Bird Derby. Had a big lead but held on late. Um, but at the same time, as you mentioned a moment ago, Doug O'Neill's horse got the best of Straight Up G uh, earlier in the year when they raced against each other. So, yeah. you know, you wonder what what that yeah. what kind of impact that could play here at Sunland uh, on Sunday. I just kind of thought it was ironic that, you know, as recently as last October, when they were a lot younger, both those horses were, there were just two that in uh, slow down Andy's debut. And it was straight up G's debut, just a maiden race at Santa Anita, slow down Andy, beat him by a lot, beat him by over six lengths. Now, certainly, you know, they progressed, both of them have progressed a lot, but, you know, slow down Andy certainly has faced some nice ones. And having won the Los Alamitos Futurity and beat a horse called Messier, who many think is still a big Kentucky Derby favorite. I think that that shows a lot of resume power. But straight up G, on the other hand, has home field advantage, having run and won over Sunland Park soil. So in a way that, you know, that might counterbalance what we just said. Those are two horses 
from an eight-horse field. And you've talked about other shippers coming in. Now, I remember, I think, Mind That Bird Derby had four shippers and um, I I think, what was it, Um, either two or four local horses that were racing. What are we looking like here as far as local horses in the Sunland Derby versus uh, shippers from out of uh, of state? Kind of the same ratio, about half and half, Mm -hmm. coming from out of town and those that have been here before. those that have run here before, besides Straight Up G, I, I'm still very high on Todd Fincher's horse. Todd's, of course, our top trainer here at Sunland, and he's got Bye Bye Bobby. Mm-hmm. And Bye Bye Bobby won sold for $870,000 in the Keeneland sale of September of 2020. And I don't really think he's been a disappointment here. He's he's fought valiantly in our two big prep races, the Rally Allison Derby. He only gets beat a neck to pepper spray and he was coming then he runs a fast closing second to straight up g and the mind that bird derby only gets beat three parts of a length and now he gets an extra 16th of a mile you know and 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 deservedly so bye bye bobby is getting respect in the morning line at nine to two i believe he's the fourth favorite you know uh slow down andy's two to one so those those there are four horses that are kind of near the top of being favored what Bye Bye Bobby has to do, Steve, is learn how to relax a little bit more in the first stanza of these races and then make his move mm-hmm. when it's not too late. He's made his move a little too late in our first two races. He's extremely talented. And uh, Todd's won the Summon Derby before. He won it with Runaway Ghost in 2018. So we cannot dismiss Todd. Todd can beat these trainers. He's that good. Eric, uh, what about some long shots? People love to play the long shots, especially with the exotic bets, because they like to box them in and 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 play those to try to get a bigger payoff. If you had to look at a couple of, uh, let's just say, double-digit uh, horses, will it be either ten to one or more that could come off uh, on uh, you know on the starting line, but have a real shot at finishing in the top three? Give me uh, give me some of those dark horse favorites of yours. Well. I don't think they're going to come in, but doesn't mean they don't have a shot. My Ned Bird won the Derby back in yep. 09 at 50 to one. But since we only have eight horses in the race, you know, your favorites aren't going to be so favored and your long shots aren't going to be so long. You know what I'm saying? I do. Morning line sort of suggests that there's a horse called Chrome King who won the Turf Paradise Derby in Phoenix and beat a really solid group. He beat a horse called Phineas, and uh, Phineas was one to nine in that race. And you'll see Phineas's name on the form lines for a uh, straight up G. He ran up against Phineas a time or two in Southern California, uh, beat him a couple times by three lengths. But Phineas is pretty well respected. I think he even won a stakes race on the undercard on Breeders' Cup Day at Del Mar. So maybe Chrome King could be that type of a double digit long shot who is improving mm-hmm. and is trained by uh, 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 a man that we know that did very well here at Sunland, Miguel Hernandez, a former jockey. And he was a really great trainer here at Sunland for a number of years before he moved out to Arizona. But this Chrome King has improved by leaps and bounds. His buyer figures have increased by almost 35 points in the last couple of races. So he's going the right direction. I just don't know if it's going to be quite enough improvement to take on that top three contingent in my mind is going to be slow down Andy 
and straight up G and then the local favorite by by Bobby. Now, Steve Asmussen is bringing two into the race. Classic moments at seven to two. He's the three to two. Oh, he's the third favorite. Classic moment. was a pretty good third in the mind that Bird Derby. He only got beat a length and a half. So he was definitely within stone throwing distance of winning that race. He just didn't impress me quite enough. Okay. But he'll be a threat. And so will Steve's other horse, Costa Terra. That one's at eight to one on the morning line. And the breeding's beautiful there. Gunrunner's his daddy. He was a former horse of the year. And the Winchell Thoroughbreds owned him and they own Costa Terra. But uh, this slowdown, Andy, looks impressive to me because he is by a Kentucky Derby winner in Nyquist. Nyquist won the Derby for Doug O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Doug O'Neill is the trainer of this horse. So it all seems to follow a pattern there that they mean business, you know, and they'd like to win those 50 qualifying points for the Derby. They would get into the Kentucky Derby if they win Arsenal Derby. I also feel like Slow Down Andy has the perfect post position, number four. I mean, right in the middle. So that, to me, also says that, you know, you're in that perfect spot. And I'll ask you, in an eight-horse race like this with so much on the line, do you prefer right in the middle at four? Do you like to be on the inside or the outside? I know everybody has their own preference, but historically speaking, from what you've seen in this race in the past, what is the best position to be in? No, I haven't done a real detailed analysis of that, but that is interesting. Usually it isn't that much of a factor because they have a whole furlong before they hit the first turn. But in this race, maybe it will help. You know, slow down Andy's going to use a device on his head and around his eyes called blinkers. Mm-hmm. Blinkers tend to help a horse get away fast from the gate, okay, to get position. So maybe they want to parlay this number four post position into getting the lead in the first turn. And I will tell you this, getting the lead in the Sunland Derby is usually a pretty good thing. Yeah, there have been some nice closing horses that have won, but the predominance of the ones that win get that lead down the backstretch. But what's going to happen, Steve? Straight up G also wants the lead, and he's got that cozy number eight post position. So things could get very, very interesting in this Southern Derby right out of the gate with the two favorites possibly colliding. That's awesome. That That could be trouble for those two if they get it on in too much of a heated pace early. Eric Alwyn, uh, the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino, joining us uh, here on Track Talk like he does each and every week. Now, the Derby is the showcase, but the Sunland Oaks is also a major, major race to keep an eye on, and it sounds like there's going to be more star power this year like there always is with the Oaks. We've got we've got a better contingent of uh, local horses in that race, Steve, so it's a chance for the locals to do very well. Miss Hard Knocks who won the first two preps for our Sullen Oaks locally and did so, so nicely for Bart Hone. I, I see her as the mild favorite in, in the Oaks. She's got the experience. She likes to go long. She proved that. And uh, she's beaten a number of these horses before. Uh, I did see on the list of horses that are running in the race, though, Steve Asmussen's bringing a filly, Optionality, who faced arguably the top filly in the entire country. Secret Oath. Guess what Secret Oath is going to run in? She's going to run in the Arkansas Derby 
against boys because D. Wayne Lucas, that venerable Hall of Fame, one of the greats in thoroughbred training, has so much confidence in her that he feels that she could win the Kentucky Derby. She's that good. And if she wins the Arkansas Derby, that'll really say a lot. So when we look back at our race, the Sullivan Park Oaks, maybe optionality has a shot of winning our race because uh, she was second to Secret Oath uh, just a couple of races back. And, and Steve is also, just like D. Wayne Lucas, just an awesome trainer, especially with Phillies. Uh, Peter Erton, maybe a name you've never heard of before. He's a Breeders' Cup uh, winner. His lovely daughter, Brittany Erton, is, is seen nationally every day of the week on uh, TVG as a commentator. And she's also a very lovely uh, personality when NBC does the Breeders' Cups. So her dad, Peter Erton, a well-known trainer, has a horse called Queen of Thorns who's shipping in from Santa Anita. So, you know, between optionality and Queen of Thorns, I see those two as the most probable getting in the way of Miss Hard Knocks, mm-hmm. maybe, in the Oaks. I believe it. We also have the $100,000 Bill Thomas Memorial Stakes, six and a, and, a, and a half furlongs. That's the fourth race. You got the $120,000 New Mexico State University Stakes as well. I mean, it's, it's a loaded card on Sunday, Eric. It's a wonderful time to come out and bet. You know, there's going to be so much money in the pools. I've talked to Dustin about it. You know, he Dustin holds the record in the state of New Mexico for the most money bet on any card for one day of about 4.8 million on a breeder on one of our Sullen Derbies, you know, a few years back, we think he could eclipse 5 million, maybe 6 million, Steve, because we're getting so much publicity both locally and and nationally out of it. And you're going to have an all stakes pick four, you know, with the, uh, those big stakes races that you noted, concluding with the Derby, they'll even be an all stakes pick five, I mean, it's a it's a wonderful day to take some shots at those big pools. In fact, uh, if you want to get, uh, I guess, a little bit of a of a heads up, 10 a.m. Sunday in the Signature Showroom, Julie Farr, Tom Dawson, they're going to have a free handicapping seminar even before the day gets going. So it's a great way to get a little bit of a head start on your on your betting day. We want our fans to be, you know, in tune and and up to date with the latest breaking information and. None better than Julie Farr and Tom Dawson. They're they're both so experienced at the racing game. Uh, Tom has been, you know, a television producer of so many major races uh, in the country for the last, uh, you know, three, four, five decades. I've known Tom all my life. And Julie Farr has come on strong lately mm-hmm. as a, a really, really informative uh, paddock hostess. And, uh, you know, her work is known nationally. So come out at 10 a.m. in the Signature Showroom. It's a great way to get started on the day and you'll be early. You won't have to fight the crowds. And if you even want to bet even earlier than that, Steve, you could come out Saturday and advance wager any of our races for Sunday's card. 1225 post time, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, especially for Sunday. If people are looking to come out because of the pageantry and see everything, when do you recommend to get there? I think you better, you better get here like around 10. Because the first race is at 1225, you know, you know, I'm always up here in the, you know, the announcer's booth or in the press box and I can see a long line of cars just filing in, you know, especially once the day gets rolling. And I think that if you come at, you know, one o'clock, it might be a little late at that point. So if you want to avoid that big crush, you know, 
good to come out in the mid-morning hours and just get settled in, get a nice uh, place to sit and view the races. You know, we hold the record of, you know, our attendance record is something like 16, 17,000 fans. It's possible we could eclipse that mark too because the weather's going to be really nice. It's not going to be like uh, today's weather. It'll be 85 with very little wind blowing. So we're going to get lucky in that regard. Ideal conditions, the signature race day of the year this Sunday, uh, Sunland Derby Day. But again, so much more going on, as Eric has mentioned for us here on Track Talk with Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. I'm excited. We're planning on getting Jim Rome back on the show later this week. Maybe we can even hear from Doug O'Neill and Todd Fincher. We'll try to line up as many interviews as we can, Eric. That's wonderful, Steve. We're so thankful for your efforts. You know, this is going to be the first Sunland Derby we've had since 2019 amazing and then something yeah that much of a break with covid and everything that it's a triumphant return i agree with you hey, we're excited about it appreciate the insight we'll have a lot to recap next week but uh again thanks for all the analysis and uh, getting us ready for the big one thank you cappy we'll be listening to your show it's track talk with eric alwyn from Sullivan park racetrack and casino here as we continue Back with more in a moment, but first, let's go to Charlie One. He's got a traffic update, 600 ESPN El Paso. 24 past the hour as we welcome you back to the show. X minus one, Ghost Money, name of this track. They're local. They're fun. I'm related to the drummer by marriage, of course, but he's family. Hey, you want to check him out? You can do that. X minus one on YouTube, on Facebook. And that's the letter X minus the number one. And you're all set and good to go. All right. By the way, they promised us new music this year, so I'm excited about that. Some new tunes. They're like, they have like 25 songs they're getting ready to drop. So it's going to be nice. fun. Nice. Okay. It's going to be good. Um, two lines are open. 880-5763. That's our telephone number. Still to come, we're going to talk to a member of the Baseball Prospectus at 6 to get uh, some thoughts on their new annual for 2022. All you baseball fans, you're going to want to hear this. I love the BP folks. The BP team is amazing. And the new annual is out. It is bigger and better than ever, like a phone book for you baseball fans. It's a lot of fun to look at. A lot of fun to prep for your, your fantasy leagues. In the meantime, let's go to the phones right now. Joe is going to uh, join us. And our thanks again to Eric Alwyn. Can't wait for tomorrow's show. We're working on Jim Rome back again. And plus, Todd Fincher will be with us at 6 tomorrow to preview uh, his horse in the Sunland Derby. But first, we go from horse racing to college hoops talk. What's going on, Joe? How are things in Northeast? Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, uh, great NCAA. I love it. So many upsets. You know, it's good to see uh, David beat up on Goliath because sometimes we get tired of and you're one of them sometimes that said on the prognosticators, you are getting it wrong. So, let me, oh, let me tell, listen, listen, Joe, 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 when it comes to basketball, I, I, I'm not going to even, don't call me a prognosticator, man. I, I'm, I'm more amazed if I get it right, all right? Now, I feel like when it comes to UTEP, I got a pretty good handle on them, but the rest of college yeah. basketball, I couldn't have predicted St. Peter's if my life depended on it. So, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, there, there is absolutely no way I would have had that. I know. But it's just good to see the upsets because they play oh, hard. Yeah. And, and, and I think part of it because the other teams don't see them. So when they walk in, the speed of the shoot, the, the nasty catches them off guard because, you know, when you play in conference, you, you get familiar. But I'm going to make a bold South Carolina, no offense. They're going to play, I think, uh, I don't know who they're playing. I think they're playing North Carolina. North Carolina running gun. Uh, UConn should have lost last night. 
Jeff played him good. Couldn't hit the free throws. We're losing you, man. We are losing you. So, oh. are you talking? Are you talking women's basketball with us right now? Yes, yes. Okay, I, I, your phone's been cutting out. So, I mean, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, women. South Carolina's not in the men's tournament, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yes, you're giving us. Hey, isn't UConn like a? Are they a two or a three seed this year? No way. They they can't shoot. South Carolina can't shoot. Arizona couldn't shoot last night. They got yeah. blitz. But the running Irish, 108 points. Wow. So the, so the women are playing good. Yeah, they are. They, they, well, they beat up on Oklahoma. 108-64 was the score yeah. in that one. So oh, you're right. The and the Irish, by the way, the Irish is a fifth seed. Now the question is, can they beat in one seed North Carolina State? Well, it, it, if they hit like they did last it's going to be a high-scoring affair. I mean, what? Tell me this yeah. much, okay? Uh, this is a this is a good question. What do you love about the women's basketball tournament versus the men's? Uh, I guess like the men also, but I think the women is is uh, maybe the team play. It's not always one guy, and and there's and and uh, you just you just see so much variety. You know, it, I mean, the men are the men. They dunk and all that other stuff. Man, you see, uh, like yesterday, I saw a lot of old Princeton offense, backdoor cuts, three-pointers. You know, you, you see a lot of variety. And that's what makes us, I mean, you have, you have, you have uh, Central Florida, they're just old-school Don Haskins defense, and they almost won. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think you just see so much variety, where Notre Dame's running guns. So it was, it's good. And uh, and finally, I saw a dunk. I was watching Stanford when that girl dunk. I'm like, gone, man, there's some, like, you know, it's never the same. It's so different, and people coming from everywhere. And I think more and more, you know, it, there's talent everywhere in the United States, just like here in our in our city, in the state of Texas. I mean, both Texas teams they're in. That's right. How awesome is that? You got the Longhorns, a two seed. They're playing Ohio State, and if they win that, they get the winner of the Stanford-Maryland matchup. And then, uh, as you talked about, the other Texas school that's uh, still alive right now, besides, te- not, uh, besides Texas, Wait a minute. That's it, right? There's only one Texas school left, and that's the UT. But in the okay, but in the men's bracket, in the men's bracket, you have. See, you're switching back and forth on me, man. You're going back and forth, and I'm getting I'm getting confused because you've got Houston and Texas Tech alive in the men's bracket from Texas, and then you've got UT still alive in the women's bracket. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's been it's been a great it's just been so you know just. I think I think now that COVID's over, everybody's just kind of being themselves, and it's been a breath of fresh air. It's just like, let's go. This is who we are. Different people, different coaches, different players. You know that uh, when that girl from Creighton hit that shot, you know, you knew she was up for it, man. She's an Iowa reject. She goes, "I'll show you." And clink. I mean, it's it's awesome. Both men and women. I love. I've been. You know, I know I'm a football, baseball guy, but I've loved this tournament, man. I've recorded everything. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So. Just kudos to them, but I don't. I think again, my bold prediction. I'm I'm no prognosticator. Uh, UConn's not going to make it. South Carolina ain't going to make it. And I want to see Notre Dame. Uh, okay. I, I, they, they got my attention. Good to know. Hey, by the way, your cell phone hung in there the last half. Who's your cell phone provider? Pardon? Who's oh, your? That's one of the cheapies, man. I, I don't have that. I don't make that right. kind of salary. Good to know. Good to know. It's definitely living up. It's living up to what what I would expect. Then, if that's the case. So, all right. Good job, Joe. Appreciate the call. Yes, sir. Joe giving us the lowdown, one of the cheapies, as his I couldn't hear half the phone call the first half of the call. It was impossible to tell. So, you know, would have been 
It would have been worse if he would have thrown one of the big brands out there. You'd been like, ooh. That's rough. <laughs> Throw them under the bus. Yeah. Hey, but I'm with them. I mean, the women's college basketball tournament has been a lot of fun. The one game I got a chance to see over the weekend was Creighton, Iowa, because I was watching uh, Caitlin Clark. She was like the supposed to be like the best player in women's college basketball, averaging uh, over 25 points a game and eight rebounds, eight assists. Uh, she didn't have the best game against Creighton, and uh, as a result, they were able to upset Iowa. So Iowa Hawkeyes out in both the men's and the women's tournament. Could you see the Longhorns going to the Final Four? Maybe. I mean, there's they're a two seed right now. Uh, I still like Stanford. Mm-hmm. I, I like what uh, Iowa State brings. They should not be slept on. And then same with UConn. I mean, you always have to put them in the conversation. Same with Louisville. They're they're a, they're a top seed, and they're still in, in this whole mix. I mean, how about this right now? Um, as we stand, um, we've got three number one seeds still alive in the men, all four number one seeds alive in the women's tournament. Wow, that really shows you. Well, I mean – I, I, I'm curious. I mean, SC is a good team. Stanford's strong. So I'm curious to see who comes out of the Sweet yeah. 16 here in this in this uh, this upcoming weekend. Bottom of the hour. More in a moment. But first, let's get back to Adrian in this Sports Center update. And thank you very much. Let's keep things moving right now. Daniel's joining us next. 34 past the hour. Daniel, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good. It's this time of the year. That's right. Best time of the year. Time. So much going on. That's for sure. It's hockey playoff time, especially juniors. Yes, it is. And uh, the Rhinos, uh, their NHL three, or the NAHL three team, the developmental team, has been terrific. One of the best teams in the entire league. I know the, the main NAHL team has not uh, been able to have nearly the success that the, um, you know, that, that the, um, smaller version or the younger version of the team has had, but I'm happy that the three team is going far. That that's why I want to say it, it boy, they I see them in September, I look at these guys going, I don't know. But they have the heart and determination just to really play hard and and just want to win. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. I mean, it's such a weird year. You know, the main, the NAHL three two. So there's there's the NA three, and then there's the NAHL. And the way it works is is that the the top um, junior aid team is the is the NAHL, and then the developmental team is the NA three HL. So the NA three HL is right now on their way, I think, to the national championships uh, in the league. They're playing the Fraser Cup, right? But the but the Rhinos NAHL team is in last place in the South with only 13 wins in 52 games, which is completely unlike anything we've seen. So to me, that just goes to show that at the le- the NA3 level, the Rhinos are still very much where they've always been, dominating every league there is from the Western uh, Hockey League till now. But obviously, when you look at the upper tier. That's going to take a little more time, at least to get it right. Oh, true. I do miss Corey, though. Well, Corey's raising a family right now. All right, so that's the one thing about Corey Herman. He is—he's uh, got different priorities, and that is making sure the little ones are all right and running the business end of this thing, which he's been busy with. But I totally get it because Corey was about as successful a coach as you're ever going to find uh, over the last uh, decade plus. Well, you know, we like to talk about Utah football and whatever, but this has been a dream season for El Paso hockey. I mean, it has, but at the same time, the upper-tier team has has really taken their lumps. So 
I agree in the sense that the NA3 team has had a dream season, but on the flip side, the NAHL team has struggled all year. So to me, when you say a dream season, that's really when you look at both teams and, and they're both playing for championships. So I'm happy for the the um, the you know the the NA3 Rhinos, but they, again, the NAHL team is doing. We've never seen them struggle like that ever. So hopefully it was just a one-year thing, and they can figure that out next season. I I definitely agree, but also what I mean by dream is having the Stanley Cup. Now that uh, is true. That is yeah. Now now if you want to talk about that, that is a hundred percent correct. That was last year, not this year, but last, you could say the same season. But you're right, having the Stanley Cup and an, and an NHL exhibition game come here last September. That is about as good as it gets for El Paso. No doubt about that. I completely agree with you there. Thanks for the call, Daniel. Appreciate you getting in. All right, 37 past the hour, 8805763, our telephone number as we continue here. By the way, congratulations to um, Gut5130, who apparently, I didn't even, you know, until I saw his tweet, that's pretty awesome. He bet St. Pete straight up to win against Kentucky. How about that? Wow, there you go. Uh, I need the luck that Gut has, especially in my million-dollar bracket challenge that's on 600ESPNElPaso.com. That challenge uh, presented by 915 Tours. Uh, Steve, I am near the bottom because I did not uh, pick like Gut. I picked Kentucky, not just to beat St. Peter's, but I actually picked them to go to the Final Four along with Iowa, and both those teams bounced out in the first round. Do you think that Gut5130 is using another screenshot of somebody else besides him circling that? Or do you really think he threw 15 grand straight up on St. Peter's to beat um, to beat Kentucky? Well, here's my thing. I need a, instead of a text change, uh, excuse me, instead of a text chain screenshot, I need a betting slip screenshot from uh, Gut so we can know whether or not this is uh, legit. But how do we know it's him? What if what if he True. grabs that? What if he grabs that same that same slip from that person that bet because it's on the internet somewhere and shows us that? How do we know it's his? I know. Maybe he needs to take a pic, like a selfie with the bet slip. Like that would be like cool. That. that would be cool. All right, that's not a bad idea. That would be the way to go. We really need proof. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I'm just saying, fifteen grand, and you're going to show yourself. I mean, come on. If he threw if he threw a straight up fifteen thousand dollar bet on St. Peter's, then he's got a copy of Gray Sports Almanac, and I want that magazine. He's he could probably uh, he could probably give us a little extra cash. So gut, you should slide in our DMs and uh, share the wealth after that big win. If that's the case, do you want people to slide into our DMs at six hundred ESPN El Paso? Me for some cash? Yes, I'm in. Okay. Now, he's saying that the station's DMs or your personal DMs? My personal DMs. So if, you are, if you want a betting, like, if you want something in sports betting and uh, you want to share the wealth with us, please slide in my DMs. Have you spoken to Alyssa about this? Yes. The wedding is around the corner. Do you really want people to start sliding into your DMs in March? Yes, I do, because, uh, and, and I prefaced it, sports gambling, sports betting. If you're, Only if you sports want big, gambling. If you want big, just share the wealth, you All know? Right. I know. I'm just saying. Contribute know. to the wedding fund. There you go. That's that's one way to do it, right? Give you the, the gift that just keeps on giving. Yeah. I like that. All right. Uh, 20 in front of six as uh, sports talk uh, continues right now. Uh, before we go to break, hey, 
Alfred and Deidre, you know what they had to do? Sell their West Side home because they were moving to another city. And then they hooked up with Brian Birds and his team, and guess what happened? Well, Alfred and Deidre now had access to the best resources, information, and everything else they could use to get their home sold. And that's what happened very quickly. That home sold for the full price. Man, oh man, what an experience for Alfred and Deidre. They were able to move forward with their plans thanks to one man and one man only. And you better believe it. It is Brian Birds and his team, the selling team powered by EXP Realty. Now, you got to find that sweet spot when you list your home. Not too high where it doesn't sell or too low where you leave money on the table. You need Brian. We all need Brian. And there's a lot of reasons why. Let me tell you the best reason, okay? He has this coming soon homes program where homes listed with him are sold within minutes because his buyers get a free head start. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP and El Paso Locomotive FC. Not to mention the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. He's Brian Birds, 751-1500, online at brianbirds.com, or Google Brian Birds, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. Start of our 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody, along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Oh, we finally have baseball back. I am so excited because the season is right around the corner. Lockout. We hated you, but you're finished, and now we got the season uh, going again, which is great, which means only one thing. This beauty is out now. That's right. It's been 27 years that the team at Baseball Prospectus has taken care of uh, their annual. And this year, you've got uh, none other than uh, one of the best outfielders uh, in all of baseball, Juan Soto, on the cover. And with us right now to talk about it from the BP team is uh, Jeffrey Paternostro, who uh, not only is uh, a baseball prospectus writer, but he specializes in the prospects as well. You Padres Chihuahuas fans are going to want to hear that for sure. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Welcome to El Paso. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. And by the way, uh, big props on your mic setup. That is about as good a mic as I've heard on our Zoom interviews in a long time. So thanks for going the extra effort and, and making sure you took care of that. Yeah, I do a little podcast production myself, so I uh, I have a pretty good setup. Yeah, it sounds like you're in the studio right next to us, so that's really nice. Hey, uh, meanwhile, uh, the the book is almost 600 pages, which is what we've come to expect. If you've never had the Baseball Prospectus Annual, I, I liken it to the old phone books, the yellow pages, back when those were a regular mainstay. But it is a, it is a guide. It is a must-have for the baseball season. And we're talking about 2,000-plus player projections, lots of commentary, a lot of analysis. It's the kind of book that um, as you're preparing for the season, Jeffrey, I would just say you you get to learn so much more about not just your team, but every team in baseball. And if you play fantasy baseball, it's an absolute must have. Absolutely. And uh, we have a dedicated fantasy team, of course, at, at Baseball Prospectus that writes on the site as well. But getting those Pocota projections for all those players, I think, is is a, a little leg up for your for your fantasy draft. You know, this year, because of the lockout, there was a lot less uh, player movement. So we actually had a free agents chapter because this went to press uh, probably around New Year's. So a lot of the uh, the players hadn't signed yet that have signed in the last two weeks or so. So when we have updated projections on the site, their projection is going to be in a, you know, in a neutral park 
So, you know, add a little bit to Chris Bryant playing every day in course, but yeah, it does get, uh, I think probably one of the most in-depth projection systems out there. Uh, that's certainly been, uh, you know, among the most accurate every year, it's certainly competitive with everything you're going to get out there. And it's, uh, that's just the depth of writing you get on each team. You know, I think probably 50 to 60 players. So it's going to be everybody on the 40 man roster. It's going to be the team's top prospects. So you're going to get a little bit of everything couple of things here. First off, I hope that they keep the free agent section every year because it's nice when you have players that haven't signed uh, around the time that this book goes to press to all be grouped together instead of having to try to find out their last team, where you think they're, you know, that. So that was a great addition. I really like that. Um, and also, as far as Pakoda goes, if people that have heard us talk about baseball prospectus over the years, uh, they've heard what Pakoda is, but they don't exactly know how it's derived. How do you explain Explain what ultimately projects, uh, you know, how each player is going to do each and every season. So I am the prospect guy, not the stats guy, but I can, I can give you some insight into the process as best I can. It's, it's based on comparable players. So it's going to look at basically every bit of information we have about the players so far, where they are on the aging curve, what they've done the last few seasons, stuff as simple as like listed height and weight. And it's just trying to find comparable players and how they did it at that, whatever their seasonal age is for that year. And there's a lot more stuff that goes into it too. It like, it adjusts for, you know, maybe they were a little lucky on balls and play last year. And that can mean a few extra hits dropped. That could mean something, you know, deeper into their batted ball profile. They should have been better or worse than they were. So it's a really deep modeling system. So it's not just looking at the, the stat line and the age, it really gets into the weeds and it tries to tell you what the what their ultimate performance is going to be. And the projection you see too is the is the median projection. It's the 50th percentile outcome. And if you actually go on the site too, you can see stuff at like you know 10th the 10th percentile, 30th percentile, 50th percentile, 70th, you know, all the way up to 99th. So if you really want to see, I think I looked in like Jacob Degrom's 99th percentile projection for this year is like a 0.86 ERA or something like that. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's what's possible, but it'll also give you an idea of sort of what the range of outcomes for those players are going to be as well. Jeffrey Paternostro with us from Baseball Prospectus. Again, you want the book, you can go to baseballprospectus.com and order it on the website. Probably the easiest way to uh, obtain the copy of the prospectus. And uh, I also say this, uh, as far as the write-ups go on every player, uh, have a sense of humor. Because ultimately, I think the writers put a lot of personality into their write-ups. Sometimes they go off on tangents. And I like it because it's not just the same thing over and over again. Uh, some of these uh, write-ups really have, uh, have, have a good little, uh, good little sense of humor to them. Yeah, I mean, we want to definitely cover like who the player is if you're coming in as a you know, if you're coming in as a Blue Jays fan and don't follow the Mariners that closely, like you want to get an idea of what that player is, what their sort of strengths and weaknesses are. Like we probably don't have to tell you that Mike Trout's the best player in baseball or stuff like that, or Juan Soto, who's on the cover. You probably know who that is. But, and you know, you maybe have a little bit more fun with those. But for, you know, the seventh inning guy on a team that's not in your division, like we try to, you know, tell you, Oh, he's got a really good slider. He had a he was a little unlucky last year. Give maybe a little bit more homer prone than you think. We do try to do give that kind of information as well. But yeah, you know, we're I think we're writers first and foremost, and we do try to, you know, enjoy sort of the craft and the art of writing as well. I know I do when I do the top one on one prospects. Like I have to tell you 
what I think this player is going to be in the majors and what his, his, his best tool grades are and stuff like that too. But I do think it is important to make it, make it a fun and breezy. Like it's got to be a breezy read, right? It's 600 pages long. That's exactly right. Now, Jeffrey, I'm, I'm going into the prospects because immediately mm-hmm. on page 530 of this year's book, C.J. Abrams of the Padres is the mm-hmm. 11th best prospect in all of baseball. And I know there's also a chance that uh, C.J. Abrams could find himself debuting uh, in El Paso to begin the year. Yeah, I don't know for sure where he's going to end up. Uh, the leg injury last year, I think, makes that a little trickier to project. He's off to a pretty good start in spring. I don't, again, it's going to come down to how he looks and how quickly the organization wants to move him. And and with Fernando Tatis missing probably the first, at least the first couple months of the season, there's an argument to get him to AAA as soon as possible and see what you have there because he could be an important major league piece early on, especially when you've got, you know, the Giants and the Dodgers who made big moves this offseason looking to sort of put a stranglehold on the division as quick as possible. You want the best player up and the Padres have major league depth, but Abrams can probably be an impact player in short order if he's healthy and gets a few at bats under him at the, at the highest level. I I thought he'd be up last year. They pushed him hard to double a, and if he hadn't been hurt based on the start, he got there and the reports we got there. I, I think there's a decent chance he would have made the majors at the end of the year. You can look at the Padres, trying out Tatis a little bit in the outfield is maybe an eye towards that. And Abrams himself is a, an elite level runner. Although we'll have to see how that plays out coming off the knee injury. And he could have some outfield flex as well. He can play a little second base. Uh, he's still a pretty good shortstop though. Do you think, so, yeah, do you think ultimately go, Abrams sticks it short and they move Tatis around? What do you think they'll do? I don't know. Um, that's going to be a, that's going to be an organizational decision. I'm not, that's a little above my pay grade, but I will say that, if you look at baseball teams and, and high-level baseball teams, you know first division teams, the best organizations around right now, they're looking for guys to have some positional flexibility, even their best players. Uh, they want them to be able to move around a little bit. They want them, you know. So I, I suspect, ideally, you're playing Abrams five days a week at one spot, whether it's shortstop or, or second base or perhaps the outfield. But you want him to have that positional flexibility. You want him to be able to move around. You want him to be able to, you know, give Manny Machado a day off at third, or, you know, play a day in center. And maybe again, it's going to depend on, you know, your your ideal lineup construction against that day's starting pitcher and stuff like that. But I mean, I think a- a- Abrams can play shortstop every day for me. Like he, that's a that's certainly something he can do. The fact that he doesn't necessarily need to do that on the Padres I think is a is a bonus more than anything else. Jeffrey Paternostro with us from Baseball Prospectus uh, giving us uh, his thoughts on the Padres system beginning with C.J. Abrams. Are there any other top level prospects in your 101 list that could make it to as far as AAA this season? So Robert Hassel their first round pick in 2020 uh, prep outfielder I don't think it's likely per se. He got to high A last year uh, struggled a little bit, only really played a, a little under a month there. But he is the kind of guy, I expect he'll go back to go back to Fort Wayne this year. That is the kind of offensive prospect that if he breaks out, he can pretty much set his own timetable. And y- you're probably looking at a few months in double A, a few months in high A, the balance of the season in double A, and then maybe you know, September, you look to get him a little taste, you know, three weeks there, the AAA season goes a little bit longer to get him some extra at bats. He could push that timetable up further than that, but I think that's probably the most likely outcome for him. Um, a great five tool outfielder, 
really, really uh, potential plus hit plus power guy. You know, it could be a could be a 300 hitter with 20 plus home runs in the majors. Was arguably the best prep bat in that class with either him or Zach Veen, who both went in the in the top 10, uh, being to the Rockies. So he's definitely one to at least at least keep an eye on to see how he progresses in 2022. I'm with you on that one, and and I know other than that, uh, really, there's you know the Padres have always been loaded with prospects, but they've traded a lot of them off the last couple mm-hmm. of years as they've tried to build. I'm wondering about a couple of pitchers, uh, Mackenzie Gore being one who was a former top prospect, and then Ryan Weathers. Could we see them both start in El Paso to begin the season? I think so. Uh, some of that is going to depend. I think especially in Weathers' case is going to depend on how the sort of incumbent Padres rotation looks in spring training. You know, you have uh, Clevenger coming off Tommy John surgery and it's just going to be, is there an injury? Does he need to start in the majors because of that? Mackenzie Gore, it's, we're only a couple of years removed now from Mackenzie Gore being the best pitching prospect in baseball. And you have to assume that's still in there. And, you know, there's been minor injuries here and there. He struggled with some blister issues. He has a kind of pitching mechanics where you look at it and you think, I don't think you can be shocked. He's gotten a little out of sorts at times, especially with his uh, command and control. And the Padres have kind of rebuilt his mechanics a little bit to try to smooth things out. And it's, you know, it's, it's been a work in progress. Um, I don't, I, 2022 is going to be a very important season for him uh, based on his minor league track record so far. I'd expect he, he would start at least in double A, probably, probably triple A. And he's going to have to find out if he can put himself into a, into a starting rotation uh, conversation on the big league team fairly quickly, but he's definitely a guy that I, I, I think he's sort of appointment. I was called appointment television, but he's worth buying a ticket for, for a different reason than Abrams. Um, just to, just to really see what he has, because when he is, when he was right, he was, you know, 95 from the left side with two plus secondaries, just absolutely could carve up a minor league lineup. And that's, you know, that's fun to see. It's, it's not just pure power stuff, although he throws plenty hard. It's, uh, it's, it's a fun day out at the ballpark when he looks good. If you want to follow Jeffrey on Twitter, you can. It's at Jeff uh, Paternostro on Twitter, at Jeff Paternostro. You can also go to BaseballProspectus.com, learn more about Mackenzie Gore, Cal Abrams, the entire uh, Padres, and all of baseball by picking up a copy of the Baseball Prospectus 2022 Annual and also the Futures Guide, which is exactly what Jeff uh, Jeffrey's been talking about, just more detailed looks into what the Padres and every minor league system is all about. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Um, You've got a lot of free content on the website as well. So if people have never been to Baseball Prospectus, this would be a great time to check out the website for the first time. Absolutely. And, you know, we're winding up our, our season previews right now. Uh, we, we kind of did them as off-season primers because we had to start them in, in March. And obviously the free agent stuff hadn't completely uh, shaken out yet at that point. But we're winding those up in the in the next couple of weeks. And you know, wants to see. We also have obviously we've had a lot of transaction analysis with all the with all the free agent signings and trades. So that's been the that's been the bulk of the content in recent weeks. Also, uh, uh, we've been doing a lot of fantasy positional previews as well. So you want a, a leg up on your on your fantasy league. We do deep dives on each of the positions from both the redraft and a dynasty league format. Well, we get Jay Jaffe on every Wednesday, and when we first got him on, he was still with Baseball Prospectus, so that's Mm -hmm. where it all started for him, and happy you guys are still going strong. Love the new book. I recommend that uh, to all of our uh, listeners out there, and hey, Jeffrey, keep in touch. We'd love to have you back on during the season so we could talk more prospect talk with you for the Padres. Sounds good to me.
He's Jeffrey uh, Paternostro as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll get you ready for UTEP basketball coming up in 15 minutes. But first, out to Charlie One for this traffic update. 